welcome to The Rotating Platform, a podcast about video games. It's episode 26, the date is October the 29th, so we're getting spooky in a spooky kind of mood <laughs> for Halloween, mm. and joining me in this spooky kind of mood is Mark Green. Hello. And Alan Madrill. Hello. And uh, yeah, how are you guys? Are you alright? Yeah, pretty good, pretty mm. good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to another podcast. So talking of Halloween, I just came fresh off the uh, Steam sale that's just started, Halloween Steam sale. There is some real bargains there. So do you know the game 1001 Spikes? Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, which is by, I think, the same guys who did, uh, what's it called? Every time I come on this podcast, I forget the name of everything. That's not Super Meat Boy. In, yeah, not the other one, though, um, Biding of Isaac. Nicarlis. Yes, exactly. And that game's been on my list. So it, so it popped up in my email that there was a deal on Steam. So I went on there. Really good deal. 113% off. <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought you were about to say 1,001 spikes, as in that's how many spikes it has. <laughs> that many spikes for 99p. Yeah, maybe they couldn't stretch to the full 1,001% off. Yeah. yeah, that game is minus £1.37, which is uh, a, a that, pretty good deal. So how, if I buy copies for my friends, I could retire on that money, right? <laughs> How many friends have you got? Alan? Well, if, I mean, if if I if I look very broadly, if I if I buy copies for like, I don't know, two hundred thousand of my closest friends, then I can retire on that. Yeah, and unfortunately, they they've disabled the buy button, uh, so you can't actually buy it. Aww. But uh, but as is usual for me, even with even at minus one pound thirty seven, I was still like, mm, I might wait for a humble bundle. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but while I was on Steam, I pre-ordered Fallout 4, oh. which was a, a golden moment. So I'm really excited now. Ten, yeah, very was exciting. Ten days, ten days ago, something like that. Yeah. <sighs> what what oh a time to be alive. Well, true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think anybody is good. I'm not going to see the light of day between now and about February. So you're basically descending into your own vault to to emerge in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Maybe this is the event that we always talk about on Space Arc. Maybe the event is Fallout 4, and that's why we end up in the year 3000. Because productivity just drops to zero. And then all the volcanoes go off. And and everybody's just too busy with Fallout 4 to do anything about it. (laughs) To stop them. Yeah, Yeah, to to press the anti-volcano button. Yeah. So um, any other business, or do you just want to power on and talk about some video games? Oh, there was something. Oh, you know, I mentioned that tea thing last. I was having a cup of tea last week. Yeah. yeah. Coincidentally, I guess I discovered that because my my kettle has got a little blue sort of a transparent blue window, so you can see how much water it's. I know the type. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I only and every time I open the lid of the kettle to put water in, um, I noticed a shadow inside the kettle, which I just thought was the shadow of the lid. You know, mm. but. A couple of days ago, I realised it's the blue leaking into the kettle, and it's kind of stained the interior wall. So I've been drinking blue for the past like five or six months, <laughs> which I don't think not uh, good. That's not good at all. If you, if you look, if you look on the side of your body, are you, does it show you blue up to the level, like how much you've drunk? <laughs> I've, what, you've, I've become like a superhero who could represent. Well, you've basically become a, a, a man kettle hybrid. So, or like your superpower becomes. We can see how what your what water content your body has. <laughs> that leads to all kinds of uh, amazing adventures, <laughs> I'm sure. Well, it just uh, amazes and astounds criminals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, cancelled after issue three, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that was a that was a short and interesting story about uh, my team. I enjoyed drinking. that. It's becoming a kind of regular thing. Maybe I'll uh, I'll, I'll keep you updated uh, on what happens next next week with your tea uh, updates. Yeah, my tea updates. Yeah. Cool. Well, on that note, I feel <laughs> like uh, you know I think we've truly exhausted the introduction platform. <laughs> It's just too much quality chat for one platform. Yeah, we so, blew uh, way, we blew way past the end of that platform. <laughs> let's uh, let's get the hell out of here and uh, see where we end up. But first of all, this. Lights, camera, platform. Oh. Because it's uh, not movie related at all, but it is the what we've been playing right. platform. For uh, this that's app. brilliant, Mark. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm running out of these. What are you doing for the real intro? <laughs> hey, you could be very easily kicked off this platform, all right? One, oh one kick. That's, that's never even that's never even come to mind that that could be a thing that might happen. Yeah, well, even though we're standing on the precipice of, a, of an infinite drop. Yeah, but uh, that we turn against one another and start kicking each other off the platform. I'm picturing two different things here. I, I'm thinking either uh, Tron, you know, where they're chucking the frisbees at each other. Discs. Like the discs. Discs yeah. of death, isn't it? Or they're just having a nice game of frisbee. Or uh, dive kick is the other one. For some reason, when you, when you thought about, when you're saying about kicking, I think dive kick is like the three of us going at it and that's all we can do is dive kick. That's funny, I was playing kick. dive kick the other day. That is a weird game. It is a weird mistake. game, isn't it? Let's stop fighting and let's uh, come together and talk <laughs> talk about what we've been playing. Talk about video games, yeah. 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 Uh, Alan and Matthew, I believe you might have been playing the same game. I know, we seem to be coinciding recently on some stuff, don't we? Yes. Yeah, so uh, I've only yeah. played a little bit, so Alan should power on. And I'll well, just sort I'll of give it a go. interject. Yeah, it's, well, it's Assassin's Creed Syndicate, which mm. um, I've always been a bit of an Assassin's Creed fan. Um for reasons that regular fans will know, it just ticks a lot of my uh, buttons in terms of... You say you can't tick buttons, so it doesn't do that. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a glitch worthy of Assassin's Creed. Um, uh, here we go. <laughs> I've, had, I've had a bit of a roller coaster with it, um, in the sense that um, I was very much looking forward to it because according to popular tradition, you get one ropey Assassin's Creed game and then another ropey Assassin's mm. Creed game and then you get a so good one. It kind of a, a cadence of bad and good, so we were due a good one, and mm. all the signs were very positive that this would be uh, this would be a good one. And um, so far, I am enjoying it definitely. Um, I think it's very exciting having it set in London, which is kind yeah. of an obvious thing to say, but it really did make me enjoy what I've played of it a lot more. Is it not a kind of? Is it not a sort of? Jack the Rippery theme park London. Well, than, uh... I wouldn't go quite so far as that. Um, no, I wouldn't. No, I, I think it it kind of feels fairly credible um, in terms of the architecture and the number of people you see around and stuff like that. However, there was one thing as soon as I sort of opened up London in general, because the first bit is set in Croydon. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which as, is, in, as in so many video games. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Gears of War, Croydon. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's you know, a really sort of bleak setting. But that's fine. Soon enough, you get into um, into London proper. So I got there and I could see St. Paul's on the map. And then I thought I'll move north of St. Paul's a bit and kind of... Because you know, I, I, like first thing I do with anything like that is trying to work out... Because I can work out where my office is and stuff like that. And go to work. 
<laughs> you just go, go to, to work where? in the game and do a day's work in your office in the game. You're like, this is brilliant. <laughs> They've really got my office down to a T. Um, no, but I, you know, so I got to St. Paul's and I went north a bit and then I thought, hang on, I'm in Whitechapel, which, a little inside uh, tip for anybody not from London, that's to the east. Whitechapel, Aww. definitely to the east, not north of St. Paul's. And that kind of just destroyed me a little bit. I thought, Boo. Oh. <laughs> well, that's that game ruined. <laughs> no, ruined. So I just turned it off at that point, and uh, that was that. Aww. No, no. Uh, but once I'd, I'd sort of wiped away the tears, um, it's. Uh, I hadn't played one since. I haven't played an Assassin's Creed since Black Flag. So the parkour, or I, I hate calling it that, the free running mechanism has mm. changed quite a bit since then. You can kind of free run down as well as up which um, takes quite a bit of getting used to. The oh, protagonists right. are really good fun. I was going to say, I, I, no, no, I was going to say, though, I've played very little of it, and if I if I didn't know they were brother and sister or twins, I would have assumed they were lovers because they're quite flirty. It's all like, oh, you would do that. That's very, you know, mm, you know. <laughs> uh, I think you may be reading a little bit too much mm-hmm. into it. You're just like they're a bit kind of like I'm not like that with my brother and sister. Kind of like riff. We I'm don't glad riff, to hear it. We don't riff off one another. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Um, but they do, and it's all right. It's not bad um, <laughs> in that way. But I think what um, what makes it work is it's fun. Um, and some of the reviewers have pointed out it is just a fun game to mm-hmm. to muck about in. Um, the it feels. Um, the park, the free running feels a little bit more weighty in a way mm. when you're kind of moving around. You have to put a little bit more thought into it, but not so much that it breaks the kind of fluid flow of the movement or anything like that. It feels like it's got a bit more weight to it. <clears throat> Can I interject and mention that I have been playing because I couldn't play uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate on PC because it's not out until November uh, mm. for, for people like me. So for the master w- race <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so called um so i continued on my assassin's creed odyssey of trying to get through all the games before it and played uh revelations mm. um i really enjoyed brotherhood i really enjoyed yep. one and two actually i had this is the first one i gave up on and i was you, yeah. you're right to do so am i, you're, I as i said to you at the time did you? i said play two maybe play brotherhood and then skip it till um, just Black Flag. Dreadful. So I did that thing, you know, like, I thought maybe it was just me because, I don't know, do you know that kind of sweet feeling of having your opinion vindicated? You know, that kind of... Yes, I'm aware of it. Here, Listening to you now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm hearing it. Vindicated now. Yes. Yeah, it's washing over you. So what I do sometimes when I think, hmm, is my opinion about this game correct or wrong? I go into Google and put... Um, you know the game name, and then is, and then see what comes up on the um, on the auto complete. Auto complete, yeah. And for Revelations, it was just all like, is the best game in the series, is amazing, and I'm like, I don't know if it's just Metal Gear Solid Five has just ruined like slightly older stealth games for me, but um, I gave up at the point where there's these guys that who dress in kind of full face, full head sort of helmets and. And cloaks, you know, they're completely covered. And you you steal one of these costumes, right? And mm. then you're in some kind of castle camp and you have to do that thing that is in the early Assassin's Creed games, maybe the latest ones, I, I don't know, where you have to get amongst a group of people and walk with them to not be mm. spotted. 
and it just is so clunky um compared to that kind of golden stealth of, of metal gear um you know i would step slightly out of the little group of three people that i was with and you know immediate death and restart yeah. um i try like oh maybe i'll walk over this way immediately spotted and death and restart um and there was a point where i thought okay i'll try going around the back and there was a little wall you could climb over and i was like ah i'm being rewarded for my my lateral thinking here climb over the wall there's a bale of hay or whatever on the other mm. side and a guard walking uh towards it and away from it and i'm like yes i've discovered the route get in yeah. the hay wait for the guard jump out and there no kidding there is a wall to my left with a hole per that has been placed deliberately so someone on the other side of the wall can see me jumping out and go oi that guy's just killed that guard and then <laughs> death and restart and i was like that's it i'm out i'm out of assassin's creed revelations i'm done um poor yeah very those insta fail missions are ah, appallingly frustrating especially now we've all played metal gear where you know not only is it extremely forgiving it's fun when it goes wrong you know yeah uh, mm. and assassin's creed is well not... everything i've played in syndicate so far allows that to happen you know it's fine i gather that there are some missions which are instant fail but mm. i haven't come across them yet i'm only i'm not hugely far into it the thing the thing that made me laugh about it is that um it's got a lot of quite heavy-handed british slang in it oh yeah um no but like there's so the, the big kind of, i've only played like for the record i've only played like an hour and a half like the but like the, the the gang, like the whole city is taken over by a gang called the Blighters, <laughs> oh. yeah. which are quite like. But in the cutscenes, just in the general dialogue, there's some. And now maybe they've done their research and they know some slang I'd never heard of. But like it's like yeah. the people are talking gibberish because you hear all this <laughs> stuff like, "Come here, you you bloomy scrumpler," and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, "What?" And it's oh, like, yeah. and and it sometimes has to put it in subtitles what it means, even yeah. to uh. us, because it's like. Mad made up thing, you know. It's just it's like, <laughs> filthy dipper. Yeah, That's quite an early one. Yeah. <laughs> that threw me a bit because it's kind of like you know people get British and wrong all the time in games. Yeah, exactly. They, they That's all, what I was it's worried about. Really wide of the mark, and and you know, Assassin and and it's one of the, we were talking about this at work actually. You know, Assassin's Creed's always kind of really um sold itself on we do all this research it's really historically accurate you know the kind of even the right down to the weather conditions of the time Mm. and you go along with it because you don't know anything about kind of rome or jerusalem or wherever and then now you finally have it in here and you're like actually this is nothing like london in lots of ways and then you go have they just been making all of this up the whole time like i guess you know i'm I'm no expert but you know yeah uh, they do well we'll probably talk about this later to be honest with um i mean uh, uh, in the year 3000 (laughs) yeah a lot later (laughs) i'm sure this subject will come up but i think um those games are a good example, as you say, Matthew, of, of where they've done a lot of research and kind of felt that it should manifest in the game, mm. regardless of whether that's actually in a kind of natural way or not. It's just, uh, I don't I think they, they kind of read my mind a little bit. Like, there are certain things I love to have in a game. I love to ride on top of trains. That is a big thing for me. <laughs> Any game where I can do that is it wins lots of points. And very early on in the game, you get a base which is a train, and you can fast travel there and ride on top of it any time you like. It's, <laughs> it's a game of your dreams. 
<laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's, it, it doesn't sound like dream. It, it, the more you talk about it, the more it does sound like your daily routine. You're like, I really want to ride a train into London. I want to go to my office. And then I want to go to Pret for lunch. <laughs> Ye olde Pret. You have that is a deep cut, man. You've just you've just defined me. Yeah. <laughs> That's all there is. Yeah, yeah. So it's Assassin's Creed Allen, basically, is what, <laughs> yeah. we, what we're saying. Yeah, uh, they've done some very close market research. But um, <laughs> the uh, the hoovering up of the icons. For example, you oh, know, yeah. there's, that's very skillfully done in the sense that they're easy enough that you can get them, but there's so many of them. Or, like, there's not too many of them that you just think, oh, sod this, I'm not interested in going to find these things. Mm. Or, or some of them are just about hard enough to get to give you a little bit of resistance, but mm. easy enough that you feel that you can get around all the burrows and... You know, there's a an incredibly famous person on every street corner who you just happen to be great mates with. <laughs> yeah. Um and they're behaving in a slightly unusual way, but oh it makes sense if you think about it kind of thing. <laughs> you know. Uh awesome. like Alexander Graham Bell is in it and Dickens is in it, which I'm sure if you're knowledgeable about these people, you'd be just you'd just be recoiling in horror about how they're behaving. Yeah. What is there? Oh oh yeah, that reminds me, some of the collectibles are not explained at all. Like, I've started finding these vintage beer bottles all over the place. <laughs> oh, look. I mean, really? It's like Banjo-Kazooie in a way. It's just like, let's just eh, throw some collectibles everywhere just because people like that stuff. Like, there's vintage beer bottles and there's there's illustrations of something or other. God knows what they are, but I must have them all, which is, you know, <laughs> of course. a salient point. Of course. Have you met, Ka- yeah. isn't Karl Marx in it? Uh, Karl Marx is in it, so I gather. Yeah, no. uh, yeah, I haven't met him yet. I'm looking forward to meeting Karl actually. Um, well, yeah, because we're on first name terms. Yeah. Uh, I want to sort of, you know, probe him on some subjects. Maybe we should come back to it when I get a chance to play it in uh, no, mid-November or whenever the yeah. heck it's. Yeah, like yeah. it's a, it is a tiny bit broken though. I've had cutscenes. I had two cutscenes that I've had already where characters haven't appeared. You know, I haven't had the terrifying um, apparitions that you got in Unity, <laughs> where you just see flesh and bones and eyeballs popping out and stuff. <laughs> I haven't had that, but I've had. Um, I just picked up this um, fan- the um, grappling rope hook. gun, mm. grapple hook grapple thing, hook. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, the, which is the the, the other sort of um, major uh, new thing yeah. that's in, and I, I'm enjoying those. It was somewhat fiddly in the Gamescom. Demo yeah, that I played, but... it is a bit fiddly. You've got to sort of walk up to the edge of where you're trying because it has only a certain range, mm. and then you'll see little icons appear on the places that you can shoot it to. Yeah, so it's a yeah. little bit fiddly, but I kind of don't mind that because I don't. If it were um, too easy, you just use it and nothing else. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, true. If it that's were too true. good to to do, um, and you can do that thing uh, that you could do in like Arkham Asylum or Arkham or Arkham City, really, where you're in a fight, it's going badly, and you just go, "No, I don't like this." And you hit the shoulder button, and you just zip up onto a like a gargoyle or something like that. Yeah, I thought you were going to say you you hit the button and you do a tag team attack with uh, Charles Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> he just he, he jumps in, just whacks him with a big old copy of Great Expectations. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> Please, sir, you you don't want some more or something? Oh, yeah, do you want some more? You want some more? More? And then he just decks them. And they're like, no, no one said that, man. What are you his, talking uh, about? his finishing move is the Oliver Twist. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Mm. That's gold. Yeah. 
So, Matthew, you've been playing Assassin's Creed, but you've been playing other stuff as well, haven't you? Yeah, so the reason I only played an hour and a half of Assassin's Creed was uh, Halo 5 finally arrived, and mm. um, I started playing that instead. Uh, it's a, not a great story, but... Um, <laughs> 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 I, guess it's, I guess it's how you tell it. <laughs> um, yeah, so i got a bit of a weird relationship with Halo because um, I never had the original Xbox. I was always a Nintendo guy. Um, mm. The first Halo I ever played was Halo 3. And I remember not quite getting it. Like, I, I, my friends at the time were big Halo guys. You know, I, I, this was in my first year at Future. And like, we were playing with the Edge guys. And they were crazy into Halo 3 because they were crazy into Halo 1 and 2 as well. And I never, it never really clicked. But I've played everything since 3, you know, ODST and, and, and Reach. But having yeah. worked on the official Xbox magazine for the last year, I've had to kind of get sort of haloed up you know i've had to really kind of yeah. get my head around it not force myself you don't have to force yourself to like anything and that's that's ridiculous but um mm. you know and just to, to sort of dig into it and actually you know playing through the master chief collection weirdly from the start i kind of got it a bit better like it, it, i don't mm. know why but having played one and two i could kind of see where it come from i could mm. appreciate some of the ideas in three and you know and, and and in doing that i you know i suddenly became incredibly kind of invested in it and wanted to see where it was going to go and you know maybe I think it's that's like... probably that's probably a good way of playing them from the plot point of view yeah you know so, so you're kind of that, but it was, in that law there was something about seeing the like mechanical um evolution of it yeah. and they actually are very distinct games in lots of ways they've you know it's a lot of series games like assassin's creed or whatever you know they have a kind of feel through it you kind of are like assassin's creed you're like assassin's creed forever but i don't think that's true mm. of halo i think you can genuinely not like one and truly mm. become passionate with another and so mm. it's quite interesting because i quite like halo 4 which a lot of people are kind of down on mm. um yeah obviously 5 is made by the same team as 4 343 um mm. and i think it's i think it's really really good um uh i've only played a couple of missions of the campaign because i've mainly been playing multiplayer stuff so i can't really talk about that but it's um very sort of flashy very smooth this feels really nice yeah. they've got this sort of big thing about they've given you lots of extra sort of spartan powers which some people don't like you can kind of if you're running you can kind of turn a sprint into a um like a rocket powered shoulder barge and you can dive down and punch people and you know, and it's all maybe a little gimmicky for people's tastes, but to me, it really feels like you know you feel quite hefty and powered up, but also very yeah. kind of capable. And that's like I didn't always get that from Halo. Like my Halo experience is mainly mm. being murdered a lot by teenagers, <laughs> yeah. um, which so, isn't empowering. <laughs> so how does it how does it feel now that I mean I, I haven't played much Destiny, but you know Destiny feels like you know Bungie get shooting and you know the little i've played of destiny it felt like yeah you know this is obviously really solid great feeling shooting yeah. so how does it feel now playing halo 5 after destiny you know from a different developer trying to do what Bungie yeah did? it's it has got its own feel um i think it feels uh I, I think one thing it has changed it feels like a bit more kind of precise to me like old halo used to feel a little vague like you were just kind of sort of blasting to the thing and maybe in, and it's something i like about destiny as well i think it feels quite precise you know when you land mm. those shots it feels really sharp and satisfying and it's, it does in halo as well um i it's kind of weird because we're, we're all these games um or first person shooters in the last couple of years have all bec become really obsessed with like 
darting movements and like double jumps and aerial stuff and clambering up like mm. destiny's got a bit of that cod brought that in the very mm. sort of physical games and, and halo kind of plays into that quite well because it kind of makes sense for him to be sort of diving all over the place and yeah they get the balance of it i I, I haven't really played enough of it to compare it directly to destiny I mean, the thing is I, I haven't played destiny for 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 you know i played taken king when it came out but i haven't played it since then i'm not a big destiny addict i think the big thing with destiny is more the overall structure that people have really bought into the kind of the loot and all that well yeah. i think halo is a lot more traditional what well, it is it's just a a really great multiplayer game mm. um you know a really just fun big campaign um but the multiplayer is brilliant I and mean, it's from a technical level it's so smooth and so fast i know you know I, i'm not one for kind of the kind of number stats obsessive but you know it is this beautiful 60 frame it just feels very responsive and slick and it looks beautiful as well um it's got some really fun modes it's got this thing called breakout which is like um oh uh, yeah i heard about it's this, kind of yeah. based a little bit on paintballing i think was the original idea it's kind of like a locked arena quite a short round like a two minute three minute round yeah. um you've got no shield so you die quicker and everyone's got the same things it's just like two teams of four locked in and once you're out you're out so it's quite fast and then there's like hmm. i think it's first to five rounds wins um so it's really quick and punchy and it it's designed to look a bit like a video game it's all very kind of like tron actually oh, so it's nice. kind of like you can see it being a sport like played in the halo world um uh, yeah. and it really feels like that you know when you're in it and and you know the the guy the commentator you know he every time you kill them it changes the odds so it's like four versus three four versus two you know, and, and then when it's like four versus one he gets really excited because he knows the one's <laughs> gonna get murdered and the other way around you know when it's just one on one he's like what's a one <laughs> you know all this kind of stuff which that's cool. it's a really good commentator actually i can't remember what mo- i can't remember what mode it was i think it was we were playing capture the flag and um the other team was so far ahead and your commentator begins to sound a bit sad <laughs> for you <laughs> so he's like oh two flags <laughs> you know they've got no, that's two. not very professional that's that's unprofessional commentary <laughs> yeah but um, you can hear it like the slight inflection in his voice it's, it's cool it's funny you said about no shields because um i know it's not quite the same thing but it's funny how many people i've spoken to in the last couple of weeks who have been talking about goldeneye maybe because of uh bond and coming out and everything and it seems like everyone you talk to played GoldenEye multiplayer on one-hit kills. Um, oh yeah, and maybe oh. that's maybe that's part of it being in more of an enclosed space, and you mm. know you were very familiar with where you were going, so it was you know everyone understood uh, the shape of the space. So so one-hit kills work for but everybody. But there's another there's another reason why one-hit kills worked particularly well in GoldenEye, oh, yeah. and in fact lots of other games around that period was um, because you could camp around where the body armor was. So putting it on one-hit kills kind of removed that advantage there was no reason to be in one and it also evens up which guns you know yeah. are, are better than others so it kind of it's a more level but i do find experience. i mean when i when i played um battlefront beta a couple of weeks ago i did find that just getting you know having to wear down someone's health um is it's it's i don't really enjoy that in uh in multiplayer yeah games. it's, it's, like it's got a different to that in halo usually right it's got mm. a different rhythm though because this this is that was always my big problem with it you know that's what i never really got i think coming from like you know in my mind you know when i came to halo my big first person shooters were still gold nine perfect dark in my head and mm. you know we'd adjust the rules to kind of fit us and what we liked and suddenly you know, I just couldn't ever win. But 
um it it forces team play like that's i mean, once that was explained to me you know if you move with two people if two people meet one person like it's just over for the one person mm. and there's something very satisfying about that kind of interplay and you can get lucky you can kind of pick off someone who's been weakened by someone else but the you know it really does force you to play as a team in a way that very few shooters do anymore i mean, mm. you know there's there's the kind of overarching team mechanics of battlefield where you've got like a support role healing you and all that jazz yeah but in cod you know it's kind of like even though you're on a team it's every man for himself in a lot of ways you know mm. like you are you can kill anyone by yourself yeah, but halo yeah. it feels like these two little teams of four and they've they've kind of i think they're really going after the kind of competitive crowd you know it's a very you know the you know the, the arena mode is only ever 4v4 the arenas themselves are quite kind of tight they feel quite kind of um you know designed to sort of force lots of dramatic encounters quite quickly you know there's not a mm. lot of the giant areas that some people might associate with Halo where you can kind of bomb vehicles around. And that's maybe one of the complaints of the normal multiplayer is maybe it's shifted a little too far towards that kind of competitive thing. Mm. Um, but then it kind of counters that by adding this third mode called Warzone, which is like this huge, just 12v12 AI enemies, like anything can happen, loads of vehicles bombing each other, and it's just ridiculous. Mm. You know, you can actually have you can have a scenario where because you spawn in vehicles and weapons and things. Um, you know, you could in theory have every 24 player is in a vehicle of their own having a huge aerial battle or ground. And it rarely, <laughs> you know, um, it rarely gets to that point because, you know, it's early days and people haven't worked out how to kind of do all that stuff. But um, yeah. it's got great potential. I and mean, we played it at preview events and we played like an accelerated version of it. So it gave you all the good stuff quite quickly. And when it really kicks off, it's just... It's like the big Halo battles of the kind of single-player campaign, but in multiplayer, it's just br- brilliantly done. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think there's there's a lot there's a lot there, but it's kind of a lot to get your head around, really. Mm. Um, it's got Nathan Fillion from from funny TV shows that you might like. Um, oh, is that the uh, Firefly guy? Yeah, yeah, and the and and the star of Castle, which is a show oh, yeah. based on my life. Um, and That's nice of them. He play, he plays you, doesn't he? He does. He yeah. plays a games journalist who has just taken over an Xbox mag and has to teach himself to love Halo. Let's uh, be clear. He plays the games journalist's games journalist. journalist. Yes. Well, <laughs> of, of, 2015, of 2015. Of 2014. 15, yeah, I don't want to say. I'm not it anymore. Um, but past his prime now. He's in it, yeah. and he says things like, "It's just that sort of that buddy, that sort of tacky buddy dialogue where it's like." Oh, not these guys again, and things like that. <laughs> when it's like one of the three enemy types that you know Halo's going to have. It's like, what do you think was going to happen, Nathan Villian? I mean, it's the elites. We always fight them. That's what Halo is. Oh, God, I'm holding a gun. You know. <laughs> have you seen those? Um, did you see that thing or, that was going around recently of the Call of Duty box arts um, captioned? Um, because the Call of Duty box arts always have a guy. It's always like a scene of like you know, ground battle, uh, you know, in a world war. Um, the older ones, and and you're kind of looking at it, but there's a guy turning around to face you from the box art and kind yeah. of just yelling. And did you see this? And they'd all captioned it like this, this guy who's yelling, going, "Oh no, not you! <laughs> oh, you again? No!" 
<laughs> it works really well because <laughs> his face yeah, is very I... kind of like uh, disgusted. <laughs> there's I can't remember which game it is, but I'll, it's some stupid thing. Like there's so many examples of this happening. But on End Gamer, there was a caption on one of those where one of them looked a bit like Paul McCartney. Oh yeah. And, and someone had written some stupid caption about it being Paul McCartney. I don't know if he was singing one of his songs or something. But now, whenever I think of that, I see that guy. I always think, oh, it's the Paul McCartney game. Um, end gamer ruining games for years. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I've got a similar thing where where something's been ruined for me. Um, you know, Dear Esther, the yeah. game about mm. walking around uh, remembering things. Um, <laughs> and all through that game... Um, well, I, I, to be honest, I think it's because before I played it, I watched uh, one of those um, indie award shows where Dear Esther um, kept coming up in all different categories. And um, I guess they always played a little clip that had hit the narrator going, Dear Esther. And now whenever I read the name of Dear Esther, I have to say out loud in the narrator's voice, Dear Esther. <laughs> and I've been doing that for five years or something now, and it's not going to stop <laughs> and i don't know what to do <laughs> but um but yes halo 5 big big thumbs up i went to a halo 5 launch party and it was um there was lots of light shows and there was lots of like lasers in this in lasers and things mm-hmm. and i drank i drank probably too much coca-cola but oh, yeah. so was it a big sort of glitzy event well like it was, yeah they did like an internet they did like an international like evening of launches so it started okay. in like australia and it was a bit like uh every time i say it, it's a bit like children in need people scoff at the idea but in that the broadcast jumped around where it was needed so it was like over to you in the uk and it was like oh. we're in the uk and yeah you were having great fun Woo! and then we'd all have to gather oh around God. the stage and go like yeah <laughs> you just see pictures see, of me the world like, has changed if, if, you, if you watch that changed. broadcast you'll just see in the background just me constantly chasing after the nearest waitress with a sort of plate of uh, tiny mini burgers or whatever <laughs> it's just like who's that guy hunting for mini burgers um yeah so that was my contribution to the live feed <laughs> the world the world has definitely changed and moved on since a long time ago when I, I we used to go to these things occasionally i went to the launch for conquer's bad fur day mm. which was held in a, the basement of planet hollywood when it was at leicester square mm. which was obviously a hell of a long time ago um and it was a really ropey affair there were there, there was the <laughs> pr uh, three of the developers including that guy who looks a lot like conquer i can't remember his name um <laughs> And who had voiced it, you know, had voiced the characters as well. They had uh, the guy there who was the the great mighty Pooh and stuff like that. <laughs> and um, it was like there was the PR and there was three, three or four developers and about three or four journalists just kind of going, yeah, so... What's it like then? Is it good? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's awful. Where do, you, where do you get your ideas from? Yeah. <laughs> Damn it! Don't give the game away, Greener. <laughs> Did the man introduce himself as the Great Mighty Pooh? <laughs> Sadly, not. But I could hear his rich tenor tones. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's great. Um, you know, and it was a nice enough thing. But it was certainly was not an international um, link up with satellites and yeah, now it's over to the planet hollywood basement <laughs> where the great mighty <laughs> poo is talking people. to alan <laughs> right. and you're just sitting on boxes of like boxes that contain just loads of planet hollywood straws and things like that it's just like storage room 
Yeah, like discarded pieces of Sylvester Stallone's body that uh, you know, <laughs> after all his plastic surgery. <laughs> um, so, okay, well, so I'm gonna I'm gonna skip I'm gonna skip this uh, this platform a little bit because I talked about Assassin's Creed, um, which I played. Um, I played Invisible Ink, but maybe I'll talk about that next time because I haven't got too far into it. Uh, so, so uh, yeah, let's kick let's all kick each other off the platform. <laughs> um, I wonder if we could do it all, all simultaneously so we all leave uh, at the same time. Kind of like Reservoir Dogs, you know, but on yeah, a platform. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> After this. So we find ourselves on the uh, Predicto Names platform, which is the platform on which we predict names. Yeah, and it's, it feels uh, I'm, I'm getting a chill down my spine. Yeah, because it's a spooky one to predict. Ooh, names. Ooh, names. Yeah. <laughs> what? That's a noise isn't, ghosts make. Yeah. Isn't that that's ooh? Isn't it not o? Oh. Well, this is this is a weird ghost. A ghost that's kind of su- surprised by. Uh, oh, he's like, constantly like, amazed oh, that he's a ghost. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, now I get it. Now, oh, that's why I walk through the wall. Oh. oh, that's why my wife's crying all the time. That's like yeah, Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm dead the end <laughs> Wendy he was a ghost all along oh yeah so um okay for 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 people unfamiliar with this platform we get our phones we jab at them mindlessly until two words appear that seem like they could be the name of a game and then lols ensue yeah a lot yeah yeah what we get it is Silent Hill, wasn't it? Yeah, so we're coming up with Silent Hill, spooky Silent Hill games. Uh, so Silent Hill something. Silent Hill something, exactly. Yeah. So can we come up with something that's spookier than Silent Hill shattered memories to the phones? I've got Silent Hill usual Gatwick. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, usual yeah, Gatwick cause... is pretty horrific, isn't it? It's Gatwick. Gatwick's one of the only places where when it turns into the scary rust silent hill world you're like oh this is better i like this <laughs> you're like oh great a, a nurse made of meat is trying to kill me sweet well actually i'm happier now this is much thank better. you nurse <laughs> you've really fixed gatwick for me <laughs> i got silent hill or struck ostrich <laughs> <laughs> yeah now that that does well that's the thing to me i think like Awestruck ostrich sounds like the new pyramid head to me. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, you encounter it in a kind of... Uh, a legendary... A Isn't it everything you see in Silent Hill is meant to be kind of vaguely representative of your own psyche, like something you've done in, in real life? So <laughs> right. what what would make an awestruck ostrich appear? <laughs> that's the question. That's a very good question. I do kind of... But I do kind of like the, the other end of that idea, which is just it's a normal Silent Hill game and you've brought an ostrich with you. And it's just... <laughs> constantly and like, i just oh, can't believe geez. all the stuff is seeing <laughs> yeah, this is completely out of control <laughs> as an ostrich i have not experienced anything like this before <laughs> i've got silent hill burger fusion <laughs> yeah the word everyone always associates with it is like meat, like meat, meaty horrors. Mm. It's always ambiguous meat men. Yeah. So maybe it's like they're the Burger Fusion. <laughs> yeah, that's the name of their team. <laughs> team Burger Fusion. 
That's uh, where we finally we'll, we'll finally get some of the juicy backstory to the ambiguous meat men. No, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, mm. I got Silent Hill sauce implant. Oh, what sauce as in ketchup? Tomato ketchup, yeah. Oh yeah. It's I, I think it, I think that might be related to burger fusion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what happens to you if you uh, you can't fight them off. They yeah. replace your entire blood supply with uh, some kind mines. of sauce. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Why do I feel that would be that would be like delicious, a <laughs> delicious way say, to mm, type? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought about mm. the tomato sauce like rushing through all my uh, veins. I hate then... that. I just want to be. F- I just want to be full of mayonnaise. <laughs> oh, I got a good one. I got an actually vaguely creepy one. Silent Hill, hungry flesh. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. That's an actual real. That's that, almost yeah. bad enough to be a Silent Hill one. Yeah, ten, like ten the flesh is itself hungry. It wants to envelop you in some horrible schluppy David Cronenbergy type way. Got Silent Hill Terror Ballet. That sounds something like a melodramatic Silent Hill baddie might say. Like, welcome, welcome to, yes, to the yeah. Terror Ballet! <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh god. It's, it's that slightly off, kind yeah. of like translated from Japanese, but not particularly well. <laughs> yes, yeah. I have been awaiting you at the Terror Ballet! <laughs> oh, I'm just determined to get one. Just one. Got Pigeon Monarchy. <laughs> I'd like to think that that was the... That's the big reveal at the end of it. That was just a load of pigeons. There was a Silent Hill where at the end it was revealed a dog was controlling. Well, that was like the jo- joke ending to Silent Hill Two, isn't it? That it's oh, like a yeah. like a dog in a spaceship or something controlling it. All. <laughs> uh, yeah, the pigeon monarchy. That would be a that would be like a dumb. That would be like the joke ending if you do it fast enough. Silent Hill Forbidden Buffet. <laughs> There's a buffet, but of of the damned. It's probably like a you have to reach into the potato salad to find a key. That's the kind of bullshit <laughs> puzzles they used to have in Silent Hill. So you're, you're like, you're oh, it's some of... delicious potato salad, and it's like something's glinting. No, oh, nobody has ever right. said delicious potato salad. That's, those words have never been oh, said. Oh, that's garbage. That's a garbage Silent Hill game right there. <laughs> I like uh, this one, Silent Hill Oblivious O'Clock. <laughs> 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 that sounds like the comedy follow-up to Awestruck Ostrich. It's just like, or it's more like it's a film. Like it would be Awestruck Ostrich in Oblivious O'Clock. Oblivious O'Clock. Yeah. It's like a 1940s movie star. Oh, that poor ostrich! That, what's the latest Oblivious uh, Awestruck Ostrich flick? Oh, it's that Oblivious O'Clock. It's hilarious. <laughs> Until the world turns to rust. (laughs) And it's pursued by a giant metal pyramid-headed man. (laughs) Um, So here's a a Silent Hill with an interesting new game mechanic. Silent Hill washtub hiding. Washtub hiding under a washtub. Or inside. Yeah, like a Metal Gear Solid style Well, that would be a... You have to reach into some dirty water to find a key. (laughs) That's 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 what every. I'm really not understating it when I say every, overstating it when I say every Silent Hill puzzle is reaching into something nasty for a key. <laughs> oh, it's a key in a toilet. Oh, oh god. Silent Hill chain bogey, which is oh, that's, that's which like is reaching some... into your nose for a key. 
<laughs> fighting yeah. one of those really long bogeys that just keeps coming. That's that's when they really ran out, when they started hiding the keys inside your own body. Yeah. And you're like, oh, come on. I thought chain bogey was going to be some horrible human centipede follow-up. <laughs> where everyone's chaining their bogeys into one one long bogey. That's such a pure old evil plan for a Silent Hill game. <laughs> you get to the end and they tell you that's what they were trying to do, just make a giant bogey. And you're like, oh, come on, man. That's what happens when you put pigeons in charge. That's the kind of yeah. crap, that, crap that you get. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, Geez, I can't, you know, you look to awestruck ostrich and are like, you can't believe this is happening. <laughs> it, look, it looks suitably awestruck. And you're like, oh man, don't look at that anymore. That isn't impressive. <laughs> you dumb bird. Oh man, this is a great game. I, I would definitely play this. Who needs PT? <laughs> That was a, a particularly awe-inspiring buffet of uh, ridiculous names. You don't have to be an ostrich to be awestruck by those uh, Silent Hill game names, that's for sure. But it helps. So it's time for us to move off this platform, which we can only do after this. It is the year 3000. Apocalyptic disaster has struck in what has become known as the event. Millions are dead or dying in the molten lava of a collapsing planet. The one beacon of hope, the Space Ark, constructed to protect humanity's best people and greatest works, and carry them safely to a new home beyond the stars. Racing against time, the Space Ark Games Committee convenes to decide which video games will be preserved for future generations, and which will be lost forever to the fire. And that delightful introductory theme tune can mean only one thing. We are again aboard the Space Ark. It's a horrible dystopia. Yes. It's good times on the Ark, isn't it? It's it's better in than out, <laughs> as with so much else. Yeah. I, the only thing, yeah. the thing which is always a bit awkward this time of year is obviously it's Halloween and you get the trick-or-treaters outside the Ark. <laughs> it's like, not, not, knock, it's like trick-or-treat. And it's like, well, you know, we're not going to give you any of the stuff inside the Ark. We need the food, right? And the costumes are getting a bit old as well because <laughs> yeah, it's just people tutty. just come as lava or, or yeah. Freddy. People come as Freddy Krueger every, every year. <laughs> yeah, It's just getting a bit old. And then they come back next year as a skeleton. Which yeah, again is, uh, like, just just seen too many, seen way too many. Uh... Or the guy from Metal Gear Solid Five, the man on fire. Yeah, just, like, <laughs> uh, really, that's it's inventive, good. but come that's on. Getting, yeah, that's some some right. of them come as the the melting guy from RoboCop, mm. uh, <laughs> the guy with toxic waste <laughs> on him. That's pretty good. Human Torch, very popular. Oh yeah, that's a popular costume. A plate of jelly. Some... <laughs> <laughs> That's a very popular costume these days. Just a small puddle of fat. <laughs> yeah. Rendered fat. Yeah. I like that I like that the people outside the arc can still like have a bit of fun with it, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's yeah, good. It's not... like it's like chin up. <laughs> gotta keep the mouth gotta keep the mouth above the, above <laughs> no, the that's, I mean, that's, I mean, it's more like it's more like survival advice than a, just yes. a fun little yeah. idiom. <laughs> get, get your chin up. Oh, is that your chin or is that your elbow? What's I don't really know what's going on with this this whole mass. Uh, yeah. But whatever, thumbs up, uh, whatever. Yeah. So yeah, love lovely. Before we get to the genre of the episode, um, me uh, a guy called Will, who is a friend of Alan and me in the real world. Um, has sent this thing in, which is interesting. So there, there was. A, I don't know what this is actually. I guess it's a screenshot from a 
I think it's a screenshot from a program guide of a film called Crystal Skulls. Mm. So listen to listen to the plot of this. Crystal Skulls, 2014, fantasy. The Earth faces destruction from a black hole in space, causing environmental disasters across the world. As a fleet of space arcs is constructed to save the human race, interesting, a team of scientists ventures into the South American jungle in search of 12 magical skulls that can save the world from destruction. So that fade, you know, fades away that a bit, bit there. I tell you what, but, though, that shows a distinct lack of faith in the space art program. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, we were, we were like, right, guys, the end of the world, we've got this space arc, or we could go and find those skulls, which will save humanity. And everyone was just like, space arc. Yeah, all the talk was of crystal skulls a couple of months ago. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, we weren't buying any of it. Yeah, so, we were like, just get on the space arc. Get on um, the space arc, stay in the space arc. Yeah, well, and that's how we cleverly, you know, everyone always asks, how did we get on the space arc? It's, mm. we used the distraction of the crystal skulls. <laughs> we were like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. You go and get the crystal skulls. We'll, <laughs> we'll look after the arc. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In fact, some might say that, uh, where did the story of the crystal skulls come from? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> well, we couldn't possibly comment, but <laughs> yeah, it certainly made getting onto the arc easier. So, yeah. <laughs> Good job. Thanks for that, Will. Okay, sorry. So let's move on with the uh, yeah, so genre. Our, our theme this week um, is uh, games, historical games, games set back in history. Now, which a lot of smart Alex have pointed out <laughs> is all games, as we're in the year 3000, that all games are set in history. But we mean specifically games that, that went out of their way to be set. They, they took yeah. historical settings. Well, exactly. I mean... It's obviously from 2015 perspective. When we ask for nominations <laughs> for platform games, we don't expect people to be nominating games from 2015 to the year 3000. You know, it's <laughs> games from your from the perspective of your time period. Yeah, of we're course. doing this for you, ingrates. <laughs> <laughs> so, Thomas Kelshaw, I think I got his name right. Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. This is very close to your heart, Alan. I know. I love that game properly. So he says, um, hello, a lowly lava dweller here, (laughs) nominating (laughs) my favourite game of all time for this week slash month's arc, Red Devil Redemption. For me, its greatest achievement is creating a world that felt as isolated and sparse as you'd imagine a Western frontier to be, but one that's never boring to explore. Uh, And that's just the canvas on which they added fantastic characters, gunplay, the best horses in games, sorry, Epona, brackets, and one of the greatest soundtracks ever, and an amazing story. If this is cast into the lava, be warned, when we all evolve into the lava men, you're going to pay. <laughs> Whoa, I didn't see that one coming. I never really got on with Red Dead Redemption, I've got to be honest. What? Yeah, what is wrong with you, person? man? Yeah, I know. But it's it's more it's not so much to do with the world and the and the, the kind of things that Thomas was mentioning. It's just Rockstar's thing where they try they they believe that they are creating a sympathetic protagonist and they're not. They're creating a psychopath um, and who they keep trying to tell you is a, a great person and a good man. <laughs> and you, you've spoken about this before, haven't you? You know, you're a good man, John Marston, as he goes off and robs and kills. Yeah, totally. With, uh, yeah, with they think they're creating yeah. a, 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 an, a, you know, an amazing Western, but you know, Clint Eastwood wasn't blasting hundreds of people in the face in any of his films. <laughs> so that kind of 
incongruousness I can't be doing with. And it just infuriates me. And that's why I've always said, like with GTA V, I think Trevor is the the perfect protagonist for all of Rockstar's games because it's the acknowledgement that the person you are controlling is a maniac, an absolute maniac. Um, and I just wish they would acknowledge that more in their game. So, But I, I do realise I'm in a bit of a minority with Red Dead. Yeah, you're in a minority of one because although I think um, the game is beautiful and it's wonderful and it's all the things he's saying that Thomas says, I, I toyed with the idea of making a case for Red Dead Redemption uh, on the basis that I love it. However, I don't feel that it sits particularly well as a historical thing. Because huh? I was really, really thinking about um, no, surely. games that really get history as a really important uh, part of it well, it's more mean. wild west than actual it's more historical. a movie it's movie history not yeah. not yeah, history, it's movie history. history which is kind of okay up to a point but i for, for this genre personally i was looking for stuff that was really like the history was a bigger part of it but you're not gonna you're, you're not gonna kick red dead into the arc oh, this is one of your all-time faves i know i deeply love the game into the i lava, really sorry. want it in there but it's not well. Oh, oh, I'm really conflicted now, to be honest with you, about what I should do. About how Matthew, I help work. us out. Hmm. You see, I think it does. I think it does deal with history because um, it's not just the detail of the period or the setting itself, but the, the the whole game is about that kind of very particular period in like American history, where like that way of life, the kind of Wild West, is almost coming to an end. And kind of like civilization is coming in, you know, it deals with a change in time and 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 in in the story at least anyway. Um, mm, yeah, you know, as it kind of sort of migrates from that kind of first dusty village out to the kind of town where they've got you know cars and river boats and all this kind of stuff. Um, I almost feel like it it does kind of embrace history more than most. But that's a that's a good point you make, and but and by the time the game ends, you feel that. Marston is a bit of a a relic, really. Mm. Uh, his time has passed. Yeah, I think that's very well done. I think I think when yeah. you arrive in the town, yeah, it's a really jarring um, transition. Yeah, uh, that's a very. I think you've you've talked me into it on that basis. I was just looking for an excuse to put it in, and you've given it to me. It it portrays the changing times. So on that basis. All right, should we... Yeah, well, I think Red Dead's going in then, despite my uh, very un- unusual opinion uh, about it. That makes me happy. Thomas, uh, well done. You're a good man. You make me happy. And very suitable for... And here comes the obvious joke. Very suitable for space art because everyone is red and dead in uh, the year 3000 <laughs> because of the lava, right? Nice. <laughs> uh, all right. Luke Summerhays, fr- friend of the show says Dynasty Warriors 8. Dynasty or Dynasty? Let's say Dynasty because, yeah. Although that does put me in mind of the 80s TV show, but let's do it anyway. (laughs) Yeah. He says, Ancient Chinese history is interesting, I suppose, but the romance of the Three Kingdoms is infinitely more interesting than all the when all the characters are transformed into essentially the (laughs) X-Men. The Dynasty Warrior games are brilliant, often underappreciated fun, and eight is the most recent and so far best. They're the ultimate game to play hungover, and I'd imagine people will be drinking away their pain after Earth is consumed by fire. 
they are Luke, but they're all drinking lava, uh, which <laughs> you don't you don't want to drink too many pints of that. I will tell you that. Um, <laughs> so, so I guess most people the, Dynasty Warrior is a bit of a niche pursuit, but obviously Hyrule Warriors has made the genre a bit more mainstream in the West. Maybe mm. am I mm-hmm. talking? I've only played some some of the earlier Dynasty Warriors games. I actually kind of enjoy them, um, but they they ain't half repetitive, um, and there isn't yeah. half a lot of a lot of impenetrable history in them. Yeah, I I think I think it's a pretty good call. Um, yeah, yeah, because again, like well, actually, well, I can't speak for Dynasty Warriors because I've played. I, I've I've only properly played. Um, I've only properly played Samurai Warriors, which is the sort of Japanese history version of um, mm. Dynasty Warriors. Um, and that game, even though it's kind of like completely ridiculous and simplified, you do actually end up kind of learning a bit about the history of the period or the time or the character or the people yeah, involved. That, that, like you, you can't help but take something away from it. And I think any game where you kind of go, you know, Oh, I've learnt history from this. Maybe it counts. I don't know. Is it is it a history lesson? Is that one of the criteria? Hmm. Uh, I think it helps. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I said, like we were saying earlier. I think Assassin's Creed, despite not necessarily being hundred percent accurate, you do feel you're getting a history lesson from it, um, and uh, that was our sort of basis for the genre. Did he, did he say what Dynasty Warriors? Eight. Uh, Num- number eight. You see, I, I don't. I. I I'm trusting that he knows Dynasty Warriors better. Yeah, yeah. I and I think it would be hard not to. Let's face it. Yeah, and by sheer, I mean almost by sheer endurance. I think Dynasty Warriors deserves a place in the arc. You know, just for like it's it's been going for donkeys years now. But do you know? It's an interesting, interesting fun fact about Dynasty slash Samurai Warriors. They've got a um, surprising uh, female fan base. Um, oh yeah. Because uh, and this is I, this is going to sound like a horrible generalization, but this actually comes from one of the developers who was talking to in an Awata Asks interview a few right. years ago, and he was saying that they have all these female fans because they basically take historical figures who I guess they've been taught about in school or they've read you know in literature, and they turn them into like heartthrobs. You know, they're kind of like amazing kind of like looking dudes with this glorious hair, and they all look really badass. And um, on Valentine's Day, the studio is inundated with Valentine's gifts for the historical characters. Hmm. Uh, so the fans send them all this stuff for like, you know, oh, it's freaking Nobunaga or whoever and all, this, <laughs> all these cards, their favourite. And they're like sort of oh. almost like pop idols. Um, oh. Yeah, oh, which I quite liked this sort of like weird kind of like, yeah, you've sexed up our history. We like this. Um, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, that's, so. that is very cool. I like Aww. it. Let's put let's put it in the art. Bless it. Yeah, let's do let's it. In. I just I think we should maybe ban people from playing it because we don't want to break our A button from mashing it endlessly, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we don't want to fall in love with these people either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we definitely there's no there's no room for love on the. Don't break the up. controller. Don't fall in love with a two thousand <laughs> year old feudal warlord. <laughs> the two golden rules. 
those are the two those are the two primary laws of space arc <laughs> prime directives <laughs> our mission is to travel to brave new worlds without falling in love <laughs> with, with fictional Chinese historical men Chinese warlords nah. <laughs> it's so it's so difficult, so difficult. that implies that, that there was a previous space arc where that was a problem <laughs> It's just a burnt out wreck because the, just, the crew fell in love during the course of the voyage. They couldn't bear to be separated from, you know, some some warlord or something. Some warrior. Oh man. That was such Dishy an embarrassing warriors. inquest, wasn't it? <laughs> we we never talk about Space Arc one. So how about a bit of GTA Vice City? So this is about Alex D. He says, um, uh, he makes a joke about all games are actually um, historically set from the perspective of the space arc. Thank you. Um, I'd like to nominate, brackets perhaps controversially, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. I expect you were aiming for historical games set somewhat further back in time, but for my money, no other game has ever evoked a specific time period so well. Everything about it, the soundtrack, the city, the cars, it just took you right back to the 80s from the second you loaded it up. It reminds me a lot of when I used to run jobs with the Miami Mercedes boys down on the strip in 1985, aged Aged six. six. (laughs) Well, I think you just shot yourself in the foot there, Alex, haven't you really? Because it's not... I think it's what what people think the 80s were like, but the 80s were just really the 70s with a little bit more uh, upbeat pop. Um, Well, in Britain, maybe. In Britain. In in, in America, I guess it was a, a bit more... Like and of course, like city. politically, there was stuff going on in the eighties, which you know is distinctive to the period. But uh, it, it's super immersed in the image of the eighties, isn't it? But it doesn't tell you anything about the eighties other than you know uh, people took cocaine more, which probably isn't even true. Yeah, uh, well, but but, but we 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 kind of covered this with Red Dead. It's not it's it's a filmic version of a time period, not not a history lesson and yeah but it's a, i suppose it's a good one red dead was this is why actually here we go this is why i loved red dead it was because it was touching something deeper um and there was an a, a sort of more mature story there but vice city which is my favorite um gta game to, to date i think it's the best but um I never actually finished vice city because of that stupid mission in the junkyard that's impossible that mm. shootout, you have to go and rescue your friend who's been kidnapped. Lance, um, yeah. It is one that of is... the nastiest oh, difficulty spikes. I remember getting... So I don't know what happens beyond that. Um, I'm assuming you win and take over Vice City. Um, San Andreas <laughs> has another one that's equally uh, frustrating right at the end of the game. You know? Oh, not that, not that RC, remote control helicopter one. No, that's in the middle. That's where I stop San Andreas. <laughs> oh, that is a nightmare. It's uncontrollable. Was that what you were going to say, Alan? Or? No, no. There's actually one later on where the whole city's gone up, um, gone berserk, um, which is just it's completely impenetrable. But for, for but for that reason, for the fact that Vice City, I just never really got on with for, because I got you know it turned me against it. Um, I'm all for throwing you in the lava. Oh blimey! Oh, oh blimey! I'm saying yes. I think uh, absolutely. Well, oh oh yeah. I, I, again, I'm torn actually because I don't think. It's sort of the similar argument as I made with Red Dead Redemption because it is uh, an amazing game, which I love, 
but it doesn't do history fantastically well. It's going in because it's Vice mm, City. There you go. Yeah, that makes sense. There you go, Alex. Vice City revs into the into the arc like a car, like an eighties car. So, <laughs> right. nice one, Greener. What a metaphor! Like an eighties car listening to a cool eighties song. <laughs> Just super vague and great. <laughs> it glides into it like Mr. Mr. gliding into the third verse of whatever that song was that they did. <laughs> We've like, been waiting for a girl like you. you know, I don't know. We need to be like a, a, a one of the radio stations in, uh, in GTA. Yeah. <laughs> three guys not remembering stuff about yeah. games. We're the, but we'd be the station where you get in the car and it's playing and you're like, oh, not that one. Skip. <laughs> one of the talky yeah. ones. Oh, God. Yeah. Get to the funny one. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our choices then. Um, can I start this time? Yeah. So I don't often um, torture you all with like really old retro games from ZX Spectrum days, <clears throat> uh, partly because no one remembers them, partly because they're not particularly good games in, a, in a, most cases. Um, but I'm, I'm, this week I'm making an exception for a game called Cocker Tony Wolf. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> on the ZX Spectrum. Could you I, just run that name by me again? It says K O K O T I N I W I no T O N I W I L F. And Cocker Tony Wolf is a I guess I mean it's just the weirdest game. The box art, it looks like he's a kind of angel, I guess, some kind of with great big wings. And he travels through history, you know, just collecting objects like like characters in the early 80s did on the ZX Spectrum. Um, and it's if you look at it now, it's the stupidest looking game. He travels through the time periods that I can remember are like dinosaur times. There was a Viking ship, I think. Um, maybe, uh, what's it? Uh, castle, maybe. And There's it's just... something with a, a ship in the water, by the looks of it. Yeah. There's lots of dinosaur stuff. Yeah, and it's it's just a it's it's a it's a real sort of classic 1980s manic miner jet set willy style platformer. Just go through the screens collecting objects. But to me, at age whatever six seven, it was like to be travelling through these time periods. It felt like a like an amazing adventure, and that. That I mean, if you go online and look at it, the the ridiculous two color pixel dinosaur was like this amazing sort of like creature of wonder. Um, and I remember a dinosaur's a dinosaur had a long tail or a long tongue that would come out and and kill you. Everything would kill you if you touched anything in an eighties game. It would kill you. So the yeah. idea, you know, you just had to dodge dodge stuff. And uh... later in the eighties, you could, you were able to pick items up. That was the technological advancement that came along. <laughs> yeah. You'd walk into them and you pick them up. That was a ama- that was amazing when the, when people <laughs> invented that, discovered yeah. that. Um, and the other thing I remember about it is that I completed it. And this this happened quite often in early ZX Spectrum games. The end screen, which was normally just a bit of text that said, well, congratulations, you finished the game. Mm. Um, they forgot to program it so it wouldn't respond to your key presses if you were already pressing a key because you played ZX Spectrum games by pressing the keyboard. Um, and so I saw this 10 millisecond flash of the end screen and then it just went back to the menu because it was because I was holding down a whatever button I'd been pressing to collect the last object. So I never actually saw what the game said 
at the end. Hey, let's look <laughs> it up. Let's look it up now. I've never seen it. Oh, this just feels like a big moment. So, congratulations on retrieving all the fragments of the amulet. Ulrich, I think that, that's Cockadoni Wolf's dad, can now reveal to you that the whole of Northern Europe has been under threat for many years. Beneath the mountain lies a lair of dragons sleeping under a powerful spell. They were disturbed, however, by the theft of the amulet, the source of power for the sleep spell, and were in danger of waking and ravaging Europe. Now, with the return of the amulet, they will sleep for many years to come. Press any key to restart. Yes, thank you. So you I, did. I, I found that out. So, I mean, really, I, on the grounds of historical accuracy, I can't see an argument against it going into the arc. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. It's, just, it's a show-in, isn't it? <laughs> um, anyone, got, anyone, anyone got any other thoughts? Anyone play it? Uh, I haven't played it, no. <laughs> what? I've never even heard of it. Um is it all right i'm gonna try and deduce this from logical inquiry is it a good game oh not not if you play it now i also not if you play it then <laughs> so no uh, uh, but, is it historically accurate um well dinosaurs did exist yeah yes but at the same time no one called cockatoni wilf ever existed you can't you cannot prove that that is a balmy name. <laughs> it is, yeah. And your characters were apparently, instead of life, lives, they were wilfs. <laughs> um, which I suggest you don't Google that, by the way, uh, that word. Uh, I'm losing the will to live. Wilf. The will to live. Wilf. Nice. <laughs> From uh, now on, I'm okay. just going to refer to my life as my wilf. <laughs> See if anyone notices. <laughs> My whole wilf, I've dreamed of this. <laughs> Come on then, do your worst. Cockatoni wolf. Cockatoni wolf. Wilf. Uh, it sounds like something that you eat. You know, it sounds like a, it sounds like an Italian dish of some description. Yeah, I, I just wolf. spent ten minutes explaining to you that it's a video game from Mass <laughs> So I get But I... we haven't explained what video games are. <laughs> Never. Um, not once. Not once. I, I can't mark I admire your chutzpah and your originality. Thanks. But I feel the only suitable reward for you in your in your you, you sort of you kind of carve out a niche as, as the hipster. Um, <laughs> and so I have to reject it on the grounds that I'm Mr. Mainstream, right? I have to do that because I'd be like Call of Duty. Um, and so I have to reject your your crazy crazy choices. <laughs> All right. Matthew. Um I've not played it, so I can't make any kind of fair judgment on it, but I'm so intrigued by the name that I kind of want to see it. So I think I'm going to say yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's in. I, all right. I, kind of, I kind of respect, respect that. Oh, that, what a great day for the space arc. Um, Cockatoni Wolf in. <laughs> it's in. Brilliant. Uh, I'm gonna. I wonder who wrote that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna track down the author and tell him that uh, his game is going to be preserved Gets for all eternity. Arc. Right, Alan. Come on then, what's your uh, what's your pick? Okay, my pick. I'm going to nominate Medal of Honor European Assault. Whoa. Yeah. Now the oh. Medal of Honor games, I think, sometimes get overlooked uh, because they came before Call of Duty became as big as it was, um, and after a lot of other well-known first-person shooters. 
But around the time that they were out, which is sort of 2005-ish, you know, yeah, mid mid noughties games or early to mid noughties games, um, they managed to combine some um, very like cinematic storytelling in a good way, in the same way as Call of Duty manages to do, in that it takes you through fairly linear levels, but that are filled with with genuinely exciting moments and some gunplay, which uh, was always very satisfying um, for for reasons of sound design as much as feel, which I'll, I'll come on to talk about in a second. But um, so you had these kind of uh, first-person shooters, which were fairly rudimentary in terms of what they were planning to do. You know, they didn't have many mechanics in them, but the mechanics that they were were extremely well well executed, and it was very satisfying to shoot the guns and and to be in that world. But that was mapped onto uh, real environments, real battles that happened. Um, mm. Not every character, you know, there's a lot of character. like they would make a composite character of three different people and, and, you know, kind of, they wouldn't be slavishly accurate, but you would find yourself in environments like um, where it starts in, in Saint-Nazaire in France and that in a real battle mm. that really happened. Oh, that's cool. And, and many of those other games uh, took place in in things which in, in areas of of, uh, of battles that yeah. weren't as well known yeah. uh, as other ones. So, like in um, what is it? Is it in Front Line where you take part in the D Day landings? Is it that one? I, can't oh, I, so I, I get all of these period. mixed up, but yeah, it's true. I do. I, I, yeah, I, which is I a very well known one. But but some of the others they have less. They're they're, they're less well known, and you are learning stuff as well. You know, yeah, I'd be I'd be up for, for 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 putting that. And you're right, actually. You know, it's kind of with 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 the Call of Dutyification of uh, shooters. It's um, yeah, Medal of Honor has been a bit uh, a bit neglected in people's minds. And yeah, it'd be nice oh, to give it a bit of bit of love. Not too yeah. much love because we know the danger of uh, of that on the and where that <laughs> lends space art. Yeah, where that, oh, where no, that love, space no love, no <laughs> love. What do you reckon, Matthew? Yeah, um cracking sound design. It's like Spielberg oh. levels of sound design. Really Spielberg really. Spielberg was really? evolved, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that that attention to detail oh. is, is is there. Uh mm. uh, the 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 like when you were shooting your what is it, your Garand rifle, the like sort of single shot rifle you have that has uh, a magazine in it. When that runs out you get a ding sound and you know that it's time to, to reload it. Mm. Uh which is not just a gamey thing, that is a thing. So um it, it's lots of lots of detail and research, but it didn't feel crammed in. It's like they actually went they had masses of research and interviews and stuff like that, and then thought, let's make a good game out of this in a way that I think hangs together really nicely. Yeah. Yeah, I think I yeah, I w I wouldn't have a big problem with it going in. Let's put it in. I'm gonna watch it over your shoulder. You know, with a bit of reticence, but you know, I'm prepared to be convinced. Uh, There's multiplayer yeah. on some of them. Oh, nice! Yeah. Which let's not dwell on how good the multiplayer is, but so it's in. <laughs> yeah. Medal, Medal of Honor. That's nice. Nice to get. Nice to talk about Medal of Honor. Actually, never. We've never touched on it before. Mm. Matthew. Yes. I. I. Yeah. I kind of struggled to think of anything which wasn't too kind of sort of obvious or cliched or where the time played a played a part um 
I was discussing this with my staff writer at work today and trying to sort of go, go and give me something clever to say. Um, <laughs> and he was pushing, he was pushing me towards Vice City, um, mm, uh, which is pretty clever. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but <laughs> I'm going to go with. I don't think it's in. We've talked about it on the podcast before, but I don't think it's on the arc. Um, I'm going to go for uh, Nintendo's Hotel Dusk. Um, I'm going to put this in because it's set in 1979, um, and I think its time period is. Uh, it's like very key to its appeal, like its tone, its sort of flavor, the setting. But like the, it, it's a kind of time which allows its particular kind of mystery to kind of exist. You know, it's if if it was set in the modern age, it's all a bit sort of too fast paced and everyone's a bit too on it and switched on. There's something a bit kind of like lazy and chilled out. It reminds me a bit of. Um, um, there's a version of the Long Goodbye by Robert Altman directed it in the 70s and it's like really mm. kind of chilled out sort of like sloucher kind of detective thing um and it kind of reminds me of that again it's maybe a bit of a like pop culture history you know it's mm. like sort of modern japanese devs doing their idea of what that period would be like but i think that's kind mm. of fun in a way and i think they do like ne- I'm not that i was alive in 1979 but they there's a it's <laughs> i really love this game it's maybe not a great historical game like i like its story i like its tone and its character i think that is somehow tied into the kind of 70s thing um but you know they could have and there's only one reference to the date at the start of the game it's not like it's heavily yeah, so you know, embedded that- that's what I was going to say. So I, I really love when we were talking about it before. I really love Hotel Dusk. I love I love the yeah. look of it. Even though the look of it does remind me of if you did grow up in the early eighties, the pad the original Paddington Bear cartoon, um, where everyone except Paddington was this kind of two D sh- uh, cardboard oh, cutout. Yes, um, That's what you mean. so it reminds yeah. me a little bit. Do you of think that. that was because um, that was trying to represent like this Paddington just didn't care, like he just didn't see anyone else as like <laughs> sort of real people. He's that he's that kind of like sort of it's broken away from reality. He's just like I just <laughs> I just see everyone as puppets who I can use. He's deeply alienated yeah. existentially. Yeah, 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 probably, yeah. yeah, I think so. Or maybe it was just cheaper. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I, I really I really love the the, the look of it, but. Yeah, I didn't know it was set in 1979. Yeah, I may have. I may have had to look that up on Wikipedia earlier. <laughs> uh, I, uh, it evo- It has a very specific feel and environment to it, like the music and the the kind of pace at which you move around, the characters and the writing and stuff. And it's kind of it's a world to itself, which which feels good, and it's a world that it's engaging to be in. But it's not nineteen. It could be any time, really. Yeah, it? it hasn't got. It doesn't. It. It but doesn't. It's all like pho- like it's the the phone is like really important in it. Not mobile phones. Uh, like this idea of having to be your whole life governed because you're waiting for a call somewhere. I don't know. I kind of like that that sort of element of it. Um, that's yeah. I, I, I'll make a it. case for this game in a maybe a better genre. Um, it's, a, it's a shame because it's a great. Yeah, it's. A great it's game. It is a great I, game. I, I, it I is. didn't. I, 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 listen, I'm going to come clean. I didn't do a huge amount of research. <laughs> <laughs> is, um, uh, is Hotel Desk one of those games where you solve a puzzle by closing the DS and opening it again? Or, or is there ha- sort of yeah, mechanic? I Sing did a lot of that kind of stuff. But it has mm. got one where you. Um, I think it's a jigsaw puzzle, maybe that you f- 
you make and then you flip it. Oh, yeah, I yeah, think. that's right. That's right. Uh, there's one with an ink stamp. I think that was um, uh, that was the uh, another code, which is the first one they did. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. Hey, it's a great game, but if it gets, let's just say it doesn't get put in the lava. Maybe say it like rests on a rock in the middle of some <laughs> lava for us to kind of grab at a later time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I'm saying no. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I hope it comes back, but um, yeah, I think it, I really thought it was set in the present day. Um, and I, and looking at screenshots of it, I still do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, I have to, uh, Mark summed it up. It's really. got yeah. they used language that people only used in 1979, like jerk, <laughs> like hello, how are you doing, jerk, and stuff like you that. jerk. <laughs> Where's my breakfast, you jerk? <laughs> you use the word jerk, never. <laughs> I've heard you. Yeah, use and it. I'm a child of the 1970s. Oh, wait a minute! I thought you were born in 1997. We don't know. <laughs> I'm, wait a minute. I'm like Doctor Who. I'm kind of ageless. You're an enigma. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so sorry, yeah, Hotel sorry, Dusk. It can't go in on this occasion, but please, 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 somebody bring it back soon. Yeah, we... that we can't. Yeah, lovely to have, uh, lovely to have that in there. Can arc. we do Hotel Dusk as, as next time's genre? We can just do that, and then and then, it, <laughs> and then it's in, and everything could be okay. Knowing how we normally run things, Hotel Dusk would still go into the lava. <laughs> yeah. in, in Hotel Dusk, <laughs> no, week. Hotel Dusk genre. Yeah, <laughs> I think we've made that joke before, actually. That was a pretty successful space arc. I think we've managed to bank some winners, and we got some. We got we got some big games in, and some games that and Cockatoni I... will. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'll come back. Um, um, so we've got some tricks, and indeed some treats. Um, I should have done ooh. it the other way round. We've got some treats and some tricks. That's Cockatoni Wolf. That's what I'm referring to. You know, um, I'm not, you know I'm not going to edit that. I'm just going to leave, leave it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> great. Now it makes me look like an adult. I'm not. I'm, just, I'm a smart guy. I'll edit that out. When, <laughs> when carefully edited. <laughs> Definitely get rid of that. Uh, um, leave nope. it in. No, no don't. But you, listen, you know my credentials. <laughs> my uh, work speaks for itself yeah uh don't make me go and get the gmas because right? you know it sounds like things... your it sounds like your gang you know? it's like, yeah get the gmas on you yeah gmas and the, and the burger fusion um uh that's our band uh and so that's the end of space arc um mm. another year is Hang on, have we done this for a year? Oh, f*** it, no, cut that out. It's going to be another year's gone by, I felt like saying. I was like, what? <laughs> so uh, the sun sets on another lovely year 3000 day. Uh, mm. Our room is gently illuminated by the lava. Uh, <laughs> yeah. we, will, lovely. we will go to our feeding tube and try and not fall in love. Um, <laughs> with some Chinese warriors uh, and we will see you again in another episode of Space Arc episode another dose of Space Arc yeah um, like. but first of all this well that's the end of the podcast my friends uh, we've had some good chat we've had some uh, Space Arcing 
all the usual bits and bobs, but it was good times, I thought. <laughs> so it remains for us to talk about uh, what the next space arc genre is going to be and then talk about how you can get in touch with us as well. Mm. So next <clears throat> space arc, uh, it's ninja games. Games, ninja games with ninjas, ninjoid games, nin, nin, ninjastic games. Yeah, yeah, ninja games. Loads of great examples. Uh, so yeah, get us, get us your ninja, ninja on. Get, get your ninja on. Get your get your nin, ninjams on, uh, and and get them in. And the way to get them in is you can email us at trp at therotatingplatform dot com. You can tweet us. We are at rotating podcast. Uh, do you have to say the at these days? I don't know. But anyway, that um, on Facebook we're facebook dot com slash rotating platform, or you can go to the website and leave comments and all that, which is therotatingplatform.com. dot com. Very nice. Or you can. Leap from the shadows and hit us with a stick like a ninja does. For the avoidance of doubt, please don't do that. <laughs> yeah. I, I will press charges if, you, if anyone does that to me. <laughs> I know, I'm notoriously skittish when it comes to things jumping out on me as well. So, like, and just... I'm highly, highly litigious. You should know that. <laughs> so just don't. Good. Another another round of our friendly podcast comes to an end. <laughs> that, that, we're doing the reader interaction bit. <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch us. <laughs> um, so we look forward to hearing your whisper quiet uh, suggestions for ninja related games. Yes, please. Um, yeah, should be great. I look forward to it. So any remains for us to say goodbye. Yes, thanks everyone. Thank and you. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.